Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Good morning. So good, so good to be here this morning. Yeah, I want to thank, uh, thank all of you. Thank Pastor Ben for inviting me. I know he's not here. Uh, if he's watching this, thanks, Ben. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, you probably know that he's uh, in Sabah visiting with his parents. Uh, his dad, his dad's uh, 90 years old birthday. So, um, yeah, that's where uh, he should be as well. Uh, everybody asked me, where is Jenny? Well, she wanted to come this morning, but uh, she, she decided to go and see her mom instead. Mom is not feeling too well. I'll talk about her a little bit later on. So, yeah. That's the place they should be. <laughs> uh, ben with his dad, 90th birthday, and uh, dad is, is growing old. Um, not sure how long more he has to go, and Jenny's mom as well, 88 years old, also growing old. Yeah, maybe just a quick update, personal update, besides uh, Jenny's mom. Uh, just three weeks ago, my daughter got married. If you'd like to put up a picture up there. <clears throat> oh, there you go. That's my daughter. <laughs> and Wei uh, Shi, okay? So my son got married a few years ago already. She just got married uh, three weeks ago. And uh, she, actually, Wei Shi, some of you may know this, she was the first baby that was born in River Life when River Life first started in 1991. Uh, a month later... Uh, she, she, she was born. So, so she was conceived while we were in Bartley. She was born when we were in River Life. Okay? So that's how the two churches are linked together. <laughs> <clears throat> Symbolically through her. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, very precious. And uh, so I dare to say that uh, on the 19, 18th of November when she got married, I got promoted to a higher form of human being, which is like, Father-in-law, okay? Yeah, so today we're starting a new series um, called Christmas is Coming for Obvious Reasons. And Pastor Ben gave me a very interesting title. The first message for this series is Not Such a Wonderful Life. So you have the title up there. Not Such a Wonderful Life. So when I got the email from him, uh, first he texted me, I said, okay. So when I got the email from him, I said, I thought, Ben, why you give me such a title? You know, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's not a very joyful title, but when I read the write-up, and then when I prayed about it, I said, wow, there's a lot of wisdom. Because he said that, uh, you know, Christmas is a season where we should be happy and joyous, but the truth is a lot of people are also going through difficult times. So he said that, uh, you know, we should address that and we should turn people to Jesus, who is our ultimate hope. So this message is not a very joyous note, but it's on a very hopeful note. And um, I think that's good because we are to be biblical realists. Uh, it's not all about, yes, we believe in Jesus. I mean, like Sherilyn mentioned just now, just because we became Christian doesn't mean everything is smooth sailing. It's not the case. But the difference, right? You preached my message just now, Sherilyn. The difference is that now we have Jesus in the boat. Amen? So I'd like to share with you a story that is familiar to many of us who are 
uh, Christians for some time, but some of you are new. But I trust that it will still bring some new revelation. If not, it will be a needful reminder for us during this Christmas season. It is a story about Jesus in the boat with the disciples crossing the Sea of Galilee and meeting a storm and how Jesus calmed the storm. And really, this story is about how we can remain calm in a storm. Could be may not be a physical storm, but it could be many other types of storms because we have Jesus in our lives. So I'd like you to stand with me, please. And uh, let's read this passage that tells us the story from Mark chapter 4. So let's read it together. 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was... <clears throat> With him. So that the boat feeling. But he was, okay, in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Verse 40. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obeyed him? Thank you. Please be seated. The Lord bless the reading of his word. This is his word. <clears throat> so one of the purpose of this story, applicable to us today, is to trust Jesus through storms of our lives. How to trust Jesus through the storms of our lives. I think the first thing to note is that storms in life can hit us and often hit us unexpectedly. Because you see, if we know the storm is coming, we know that it's going to rain, well, we'll be ready. We bring an umbrella or you know, we have an indoor event instead of outdoor. But it is when it hit us very suddenly, that's when we are caught. So we see on this passage that Jesus told them, the disciples, let us go across to the other side. And verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So evidently it was a very big storm and it caught them by surprise. Even though some of the disciples like Peter, they were actually fishermen experienced fishermen know the terrain very well, know the Sea of Galilee very well, but they were caught by surprise. And the reason is very simple. You see, Sea of Galilee is, is, is a body of water. It's a shape, like a shape of a heart. Uh, it's, it's actually surrounded by mountains. And the mountain in the north, Mount Hermon, is, is a, it's a lot of snow. It's a snow-capped mountain. Uh, and sometimes the cold wind would blow down to the Sea of Galilee the Sea of Galilee is in a very hot place and the hot air will rise. And when the cold air and hot air clashes, it often stirs up storms very suddenly. So even experienced fishermen can be caught by surprise. You know, my son Wei Ming uh, used to be a sailor and uh, he learned to read the wind, you know. He watched the wind on the waves and on the, on the sail and kind of feel the wind and he has to adjust 
the, the sail, adjust the boat according to the wind. An experienced sailor can do that, but he tells us that sometimes he is also caught by surprise. So in this case, they were caught by surprise. And maybe some of us here this morning as I'm speaking, you were caught by surprise by a storm. Perhaps you saw it coming, but you never thought that it would be so ferocious. You never thought that it turned out to be like that. And times like this, uh, we can encounter tremendous turmoil. But the thing I want us to note here is that we may encounter storms even when we are walking in obedience to God. We think that, oh, if I become a Christian, Jesus is with me, he's on the boat, surely the storm will not happen, right? No, in this case, it wasn't so. And they actually obeyed Jesus because Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. They were ministering on one side of the Galilee. And then uh, it was actually, by the, by the way, it was a high point of Jesus' ministry. We read in Mark chapter 4, which is the oldest account of Jesus, the first gospel that was written. All the other gospels, the other two, Matthew and Mark, um, uh, Matthew and Luke actually took some of the material from the gospel of Mark. And, uh, and, and Mark noted that, um, that, that Jesus actually had big crowds follow him. But then he said to his disciples, okay, my time here is up for now. Let's go over to the other side. By the way, a very important side point, Jesus ministered to the crowds, but he only discipled a few. He was never moved by crowds. He always followed God's leading, okay? Whereas most of us, myself included, would be like, there's a big crowd there, let's go there and minister. Well, that's using my head knowledge, okay? But Jesus said, I only do what the Father calls me to do. And even though there are big crowds here needing my ministry, my teaching, my healing, and so on, but God says, God the Father says, go over the other side. He will go over the other side. So Jesus was following the Heavenly Father's leading. And the disciples were obeying Jesus. Let's go over to the other side. And then the storm suddenly hit them. So storms are not always punishment for disobedience. It may not be. In fact, sometimes storms could happen precisely because we are walking in obedience to God. And we may not always know the reason, by the way. It could be natural causes, it could be the devil, it could be our own sin, God is in trouble. And you know, after a while, I realized that I don't try to analyze all this too much. Is it the devil? Is it? The, the important thing is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Focus. One day at a time. If you're going through a storm right now, sometimes you may be wondering, what's happened? Did I sin? Did, did, did people around me sin? Am, am I in the wrong place? You know, am I in the wrong church? I don't know. All kinds of questions that come to mind. And that's understandable. But the key here is to focus on Jesus, okay? So Jesus followed God the Father's leading. And the disciples followed Jesus' uh, instruction. And they still encounter the storm. Some of you may have heard of recently a very dear brother and a well-loved Christian leader in our nation passed away very suddenly. Uh, that's our brother Joseph Chen. And uh, he was the... Singapore National Director for many years. I have a picture of him up there. I believe I have. There we go. I, I just took this picture with him uh, just uh, less than a couple of years ago. We were having coffee, paileba, quarters, and just talking about ministry. He was about to retire from his role as National Director of uh, Youth with a Mission Singapore. And um, 
and he wanted to challenge churches, you know, to be more missional. So, so I had a very good chat with him. I was sharing with him how our church is taking a slightly different approach to ministry and, and how his ideas can be incorporated. So we had a very good chat, and so it was a shock. Uh, this was maybe a month ago when he was killed in an accident. Uh, he was on a missions trip, doing some teaching in Egypt, stopped by Istanbul for a break, and on the way to the airport, his taxi got into an accident, and he died on the way to the hospital. Now, Joe Chen was at the peak of his life, really. He's 56 years old, retired from the national director role, and he's got so many ideas he wants to do. Why is it that the Lord will allow this to happen? I don't have all the answers. But when I hear the testimony shared about him at his funeral wakes, the services, his own wife and kids, so many um, on Facebook posting, including myself. Uh, he has touched so many lives. He has touched so many lives. And you may say that he was walking in obedience to God. He was on the missions trip, mind you, and this happened. We don't have all the answers, but we know that this is a big storm in the life of his family. And it can hit us unexpectedly. But with Jesus in the boat, we can overcome, we can ride through the storm. One side note I want to mention here is that this is a true eyewitness account. Why do I say that? Because you notice that there are a lot of uh, fine details in this story. For example, it says when evening had come, the writer actually mentioned evening. And then it says as they were leaving the crowd, they took him with them <clears throat> in the boat just as he was. I mean, why did he even mention this? What does it mean just as he was? Just as he was what? Just as he was in another boat. So evidently, they got him to come over to this other boat so that this is their boat. Now they can cross over to the other side of the Galilee. Another interesting detail is that there were other boats that were there. Uh, and then when the storm hits, he was in the stern, which is the back of the boat, and he was asleep on the cushion. The cushion is even mentioned. Why are all these details mentioned? Well, one important reason is because details are mentioned to prove that this is not a legend. You see, if this is a legend, there's no need to mention all these details. These details are mentioned because, you know why? It is an eyewitness account. You see, all the four Gospels are eyewitness accounts. And when Jesus resurrected, he appeared to many of his disciples. At one time, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that up to 500 of them saw him. And many of them, during the time when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, uh, they were still alive. So these stories about Jesus are not legends. You say, oh, this is 2,000 years ago. And some of you here, if you are not Christians and you are exploring Christianity... I invite you to take a closer look, okay? Because it can be up to any scrutiny. I invite you to, to do that. And personally, for me, actually, I went on this journey years ago. Um, of course, it was very superficial at that time, but it was sufficient to convince me that this Jesus is a historical figure. Now, whether he is the Son of God, whether he is God or not, I'm not so sure at one point, but at least I know that he existed. He's a historical figure. And this is one story that proves that Jesus is a historical figure. This is an eyewitness account. And Christmas season is a good time for you to ask this question. Who is Jesus? And if you're visiting with us, 
this period today, this Christmas season, because you're exploring Christianity, I invite you to ask this question. That's the most important question you can ask in your life. That's the most important question you ask in your search for ultimate truth and meaning in life. There can be many other questions. I know that it's swirling. What about this and what about that? But if I can encourage and invite you to ask the central question, a question, who is this Jesus? Because if you can find the answer, if you're satisfied with this answer, and I am, <laughs> that he is who he claims himself to be. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world who came to die for your sins and mine. If you can come to that conclusion, you will also believe in Jesus and he can be part of your life. He can be the Lord of your life, not just part of your life moving forward. So this is a true eyewitness account. So the central question really in this story is, who then is this Jesus? And it brought the disciples to ask this question. So if you look at uh, uh, verse 39 to 41, they woke Jesus up and Jesus got up and what did Jesus say? Jesus calmly, <laughs> he woke and the Bible says, he rebuilt the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. Now that's what you say to a dog <laughs> that is naughty, okay? Uh, I got a cat at home, okay? Uh, my daughter uh, got a cat and uh, she's actually away for holiday, for honeymoon. And every time she calls us, we thought, oh, our daughter misses us. But actually, she wants to talk to the cat. Okay? So I have to bring the, my handphone to look for the cat. And this cat is very good at hiding in places. And then say, hey, okay, chat, okay, okay. I don't think the guy understands what she is saying, you know. But, uh, but uh, okay, so, so why did I go into that? <laughs> okay. So, oh, yeah, this cat, very naughty. He likes to hide here, hide there, climb under the bed sheets. We will tell him, chat. Get down, you naughty boy. You know? <laughs> but say lovingly. Lah. And this is how Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea. In fact, it's the same way that he will rebuke demons in demon-possessed men. It's the same way. He actually got up and the Bible says he rebuilt the wind and the sea. And the wonderful thing that happened is that they obeyed him. And the sea ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, normally, even if the wind stops, right, the sea can still be raging. But in this case, both the wind and the sea, there was great calm, it ceased. Great calm means completely calm. Now, if you've been to the Sea of Galilee, I've been there many times. I never experienced a storm, a little bit of rain one time. But usually when we go there, the timing is such that it's very calm. And we would get on the boat, we'd go out to the Sea of Galilee and, uh, and just experience the calmness. Actually, by the way, we were supposed to go, right? Some, how many of you here sign up with me to go Israel? I think there were quite a few from River Life. <laughs> yeah. But we have to cancel. Uh, last minute, couldn't make it. Uh, very sad, right? Yeah, I, I never quite liked Hamas, you know, but this time it's personal. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to start a war at this time, you know, we couldn't go Israel. So the wind died down, the sea became completely calm. Now, in ancient culture, the sea is said to have uncontrollable power. They are afraid of the sea more than anything else. Uh, there was a story of uh, this king, uh, 
Canut, a 12th century Danish king. Uh, apparently a true story, although it's arguable, but anyway, it's a good story. Uh, he is a God-fearing man. So he was doing very well, very powerful, and people revere him. And then he decided one day he wanted to tell people that, you know, I'm not as great as you think. I'm not greater than God. So he took his men to the seashore and he stood there and waited for the waves to come in. And then as the waves were coming in, he actually told the waves to stop. <laughs> like Jesus rebuked, cease, stop. But the waves didn't listen to him. The waves keep coming in and actually wash over his feet. And then he turned to his men and he said these words, huh? Let all men know how empty and worthless is the power of kings. For there is none worthy of the name, but he whom heaven, earth and sea obeyed by eternal laws. And the story goes, he then hung up his gold crown on a crucifix and never wore it again. So this king, Kanuk, huh, is trying to say, yes, I may be the king of this land. Yes, I may be very powerful, but I can't stop the waves on the seashore. But Jesus can stop the waves. So the question before all of us is who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Can I submit to you, this is not only a question for non-Christians. Most of us here, I believe, are believers, maybe for some years. And you may be saying, oh, I already answered this question. I know who this is. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This question is settled. Well, the disciples already followed Jesus for some time, by the way. They saw his performing miracles. They heard his teaching. And this was one incident when Jesus wanted to reveal more of himself to them. He wanted them to open their eyes. And so he allowed this to happen, this storm to happen, so that they, after seeing what happened, they actually asked this question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And you will notice that throughout the Gospels, this happened many times. That something will happen and then they thought they knew Jesus already. They, they thought they've got this figured out and then it's like, whoa, this is even bigger than we thought. Because maybe their idea of God was very small. Maybe they haven't quite figured it out. And it was really at the high point when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? When G uh, Peter said that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was the high point for Peter. It was at Caesarea Philippi, you know. And by the way, that story tells us that from that moment onwards, Peter's identity was changed. And Jesus said to him, from now on, you shall be called Peter, you shall be called the rock, okay? And upon this rock, I will build my church. And sisters and brothers, ultimately we build our identity, we build our self-worth, we build our senses, a sense of security on who Jesus is. And you may have been a Christian for many years, I've been a Christian for more than 40 years now. I joined church full-time ministry in 1985. Chen you were not even, were you just born that year? That's a long time, you know. Hey, don't give me that look, okay? I know it's a long time, but you still need to be like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but even for me, I'm still learning so much about God. Still so much to learn. 
I thought I've, I understood him. I thought I knew him. I thought I knew the Bible. But then something happens. And usually it's when something happens that you begin to question even your own theology, correct? You begin to question your own understanding of Scripture. And if your hearts are opened with clean hands and pure hearts as you ascend the hills of the Lord, He will reveal Himself to you. And you can read the same passage of Scripture again, maybe for the hundredth time, but this time you saw something you never saw, it was there. Then you say, wow, God is more marvellous than I than I could even imagine. That's what happened to the disciples. So through this storm, they asked the question, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea, we've seen him perform miracles. We've seen him teach that big crowds will follow him. This man is very special. But now we see that even the wind and the sea obey him. So many of us are Christians for some time. <clears throat> But maybe the question that we ask in times of storm is, does Jesus really care? Does Jesus really care? Because this is a question the disciples asked. When he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? By the way, the picture of Jesus, fast asleep, tells us two things. He was human. He was dead tired. And secondly, he trusted in God. When Jesus came into this world 2,000 years ago, he became fully man, but he was still fully God. He became fully man so that he could identify with us. The Bible says in Hebrew that he has faced all the same temptations so that he's not a high priest that cannot understand our temptations. But through all this, he opened the way, he opened the veil so that we can, with full confidence, enter into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God. No man can do that. Because God is completely holy. God is completely pure. Not a stain of sin is allowed in His presence. And none of us here are perfect. If, if God even allow us to come near Him, we'll be incinerated, literally. But God provided a way. Through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. His blood washed over us. He offered us righteousness. That's what the Bible says. And if you receive that, God's righteousness becomes yours. And only a righteous person can come before God with full confidence to worship Him. Just now, we had a wonderful time of worship. And we were entering the presence of God. This is not possible if not for what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for your sins and mine. So does Jesus care? And perhaps some of you are going through transitions in life. You know, they were going through a transition. They left one side of the Sea of Galilee. They haven't quite reached the other side. You know, if you haven't left, right, you saw the, the storm hits, you say, okay, you know what? Let's, 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 let's start sailing maybe two hours later until the storm dies down. But you're in the middle of the sea. <laughs> you, know, you either go forward or you go backward. So they have to press forward. And perhaps some of you are in this land in between and this is the most uncomfortable. You have set sail. You can't go back. The only way is to go forward, but you're hit by a storm. And you ask the question, does Jesus care? And you know, Jesus' answer is very interesting. How did he answer? Pastors, we are trained, right? Cell leaders. If somebody comes to you and says, you know what? Wow, you know... 
I don't know, man. I doubt God, you know. Uh, this thing happened to me. I don't know, man. Does God still care? Okay, Pastor Chen Xing, you just got commissioned recently, right? So you will say, oh, you know what? You, we, we are taught to affirm people's feelings, correct? Oh, it's very natural, very understandable. If I were you, I would feel the same. You know, we affirm people's feelings. We, we show understanding. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't go through a, a Bible school, you know. His answer is, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? <laughs> there are three rebukes in this story here. First time, the disciples rebuked Jesus. Second time, Jesus rebuked the wind. Third time, re- Jesus rebuked, uh, second time, uh, he rebuked the disciples and then rebuked the wind. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And you know what happened? After that, the Bible tells us they were, the disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea disobeyed him? First, they were afraid <clears throat> of the storm. After Jesus got up, rebuked, wind and sea calmed down, now they are afraid of Jesus. In fact, the word here is, they, are, they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obeyed him. Does Jesus care? Jesus does care. It's just that the disciples, they get it and yet they don't quite get it. And Jesus knows exactly when to say what, okay? Obviously, he said it with much love, even though it was a pretty stern word. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And sometimes, don't be surprised as you're going through a storm in your life. The loving Heavenly Father can send a word of rebuke. Possible, you know. It could speak directly to you, to your spirit. It could be through another brother or sister. Is that possible? I think it's highly possible. I can think of the few occasions in my life when somebody loves me enough, come to me, and gave me a word of rebuke. And I'm not talking about my wife, huh? because that happens every other week. <laughs> I'm talking about others, 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 good brothers and sisters, that a word of rebuke. My wife's like, we've been married for so long, you still don't understand me. <laughs> That's because women are very hard to understand. Okay, oh, say no, never mind, it's okay. Um, okay, a number of you keep asking me, so where is uh, KCC uh, meeting now for our Sunday worship service? My answer is everywhere. Say, wow, everywhere. Yes, everywhere. Okay, cut the long story short. We did not go back to regular Sunday service like this because of two things. Number one is 2019, we lost our premises very suddenly. That's another story. I think some of you know you prayed with us. But six months later, COVID hit. Okay? <laughs> and like every other church, we all kalangkabot and all that. But when things began to settle down, things began to open up, through literally a whole year of seeking the Lord and praying, we felt for our church, we're not saying this applies to every other church, we felt for KCC that God is leading us to do church a bit differently. God is leading us to a decentralized format for Sunday service. So we decided we did not go back to regular Sunday service like this. We decided to continue 
with what we call church at home gatherings on Sunday. So this morning, right now, right, uh, our church meeting in cell groups in the home with the service broadcast from our studio. In fact, my son this morning is preaching uh, at the studio. So I've got some pictures up there. Just a couple of them. Yeah, so like, for example, they would meet and they would follow the service uh, on YouTube live. And then after that, they would break into small groups to process the word and usually it's followed by lunch together. It's a time of fellowship. So God is leading us to rediscover church. A unique calling for, uh, for KCC. Uh, I, I'm not even recommending this for every other church, but there's a lot of little details I don't have time to go into. But the Lord somehow led us and to position us, we believe, to reach people. And I realize now it's a growing group of people who for good or maybe not so good reasons, don't want to go back to a big building with a large group like this, okay? Not a big group, but it's a very precious group of people. And perhaps to also reach non-Christians who, again, for different reasons, not comfortable walking into a church building. But they don't mind going to the home of a friend. So like this Christmas season, we are also having church at home. We call it Christmas at home. And we tell people, hey, invite your neighbor, invite your friends. We've got some names coming in. People who won't go to a church building, but going to your home, I don't mind. But of course, we tell them that it's still a Christian service, but it's in the home. The setting is a lot more comfortable. So we felt that God is leading us to do church a bit differently, decentralize our Sunday service, meet in the homes. But we're still one church. We're still together. Only once a month, we come together like this in what we call church together. And we are reaching a group of people that perhaps... Uh, the regular churches would not be able to reach. I mean, when we were going through it, we asked the same question. We got into a place, we thought we'd be there for 20 over years, and then something happens. God, do you care? And then, of course, COVID hit. <laughs> God, do you really care? But over time, we realized that because God freed us from a building, God freed us from traditional Sunday service, so to speak, uh, we were able to think a little bit more out of the box. Does God really care? Well, this Christmas season, the most important question to ask, does God care? He does. He cares enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. Elizabeth Elliot has these words to say, God is God. Because He is God, He is worthy of my trust and obedience. And I will find rest nowhere but in His holy will that is unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he is up to. I want to show you this painting which my daughter painted a few years ago. Actually, you've been seeing it on the screen. <clears throat> this was quite a few years ago, one of our church service, and my daughter was um, actually on the way to church service, and she had a mental picture of a lion resting like sleeping. She got there, uh, we allow what we call worship painting, so she started painting. And then lo and behold, that, that particular service, uh, I was actually preaching from this passage. This was quite a few years back. And so when, at the end of the service, I saw, I said, hey, darling, what is this? She said, oh, I just had this mental picture of a lion, which represents Jesus, actually sleeping and resting. And then she was quite shocked also, like I was talking about Jesus asleep in the boat. And by the way, she painted this painting live within 45 minutes. Within 45 minutes. And I got this painting at home, <laughs> my dining area. 
the lion is asleep in the boat. The most important question is, is Jesus in the boat with you? As you think about maybe 2024, the most important question is, is Jesus in the boat with you? For non-Christians, friends and family, if you're not a Christian, this is the most important question for your life today. For those of us who are already believers, the same questions still need to be asked, who then is this that even the sea and the storms will obey him? And I want you to notice um, this passage starts with Jesus telling his disciples, let us go across to the other side. In verse 35, part B. And Mark 5 verse 1, okay, I mean 41 is the last verse, but actually this chapter division is an is a artificial thing, right? You know, right? Uh, for easy reference, it's very useful, but actually it's a continuation of the story. And the story actually said that they came to the other side of the sea. So in other words, they made it. They made it to the other side of the sea. And I believe God has a word for all of us. Personally, I believe God has a word for River Life Church as well. You will make it to the other side. If only you have Jesus in the boat and you know him for who he is. He's not just another good person. He's not just another good philosopher. He's not just another good friend to have with you. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth and who can calm the sea and the storm. But he loves us enough to come and die for us on the cross so that righteousness may be offered to us. And when we are covered by the righteousness of God, we can stand before God with full confidence and worship him in his presence. Almost everybody asked me, hey, where is Jenny? <laughs> she wanted to come this morning. But last minute, she decided to go over to her mom's place because her mom, uh, my mother-in-law, is actually dying. She's 88 years old. She's been in quite ill health for the last couple of years. And um, so just a few months ago, maybe three months ago or four months ago, she was diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer. <clears throat> so the doctor's advice is that uh, at her age with a condition, there's no point going through treatment. Suggested to the family and all agreed that uh, just let her stay at home and give her... Uh, home-based palliative care. Um, so that's what is happening in the last few months. We thank God. We, they have a very good helper, fantastic helper. Family members are all very supportive. So she's relatively comfortable, well taken care of. <clears throat> but she is declining. In fact, yesterday, she was, um, she was quite ill. Blood pressure was very low. We actually went down. Uh, but then picked up again. So we thought Jenny could come. She very much wanted to come. But this morning, got the news that her blood pressure went down again. So she said, dear, I better go over to mom's place. I said, yeah, I think you should. You should go over. But yesterday when I was there, um, visiting her, and then we prayed for her, she was lying in bed. And she was holding this cross. This is a cross that we bought from Israel, made of olive tree wood. And I saw her lying. It's, it's called a holding cross. And um, so Jenny bought one for her mom. 
and her mom was holding the cross like that, she was, she was kind of, yeah, she was not really responding much, even though we were talking to her. But later she perked up a little bit, but then went back to that condition again. So we prayed for her. When I saw her lying in bed, and she'd been a Christian for about 12 years, got baptized, maybe 2015. And I saw her holding the cross. I said, you will get to the other side. You will reach the other side. And that's the most important question. It's not about whether you can get over this current storm. There will be another and another. But the most important question at the end of your life and mind, will we reach our final destiny? I know for my mother-in-law, she will. And I was told, we were told by the palliative care nurse, by the way, Singapore has fantastic home-based palliative care, really appreciate the health uh, services provided. She told us, keep talking to her because the last thing a person who dying goes is the listening. She may not be responding, but she can still hear. So we talked to her. So I told her, you know, we keep telling her, when you see Jesus, you're going to see Jesus, you're going to see your husband, you know. And you see the light just follow. And I tell her, you will get to the other side. The question is whether you have Jesus in your boat. Would you stand with me, please? We'll sing this song in closing and response. It's going to take a few more minutes. And if I could ask you to, unless you really need to, please remain in your seats. Next few moments is important for us to respond. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram or head on over to riverlife.org.sg God bless and have a great week ahead.